0: Hello, welcome to the bore you to sleep podcast, the podcast that will hopefully help you get to sleep. I am going to read an open source book, one that is not particularly interesting, but one that is hopefully boring enough to get you to sleep. On tonight's episode, we'll be reading from Natalie Page. It is a book by Catherine Haviland-Taylor and looks at the early years of a young girl's life and her passion for baseball. I hope you enjoy tonight's episode. My goal is to help people get a good night's rest everywhere. If you've enjoyed the episode and you would be so kind, please leave a review and rating in your podcast app. Special thanks to Alexander G. Glove, ...for your kind words... ...on the US iTunes... ...podcast app... ...in the meantime... ...lie back, relax... ...and enjoy the readings... Chapter 1... ...How... ...It Began... ...I think it is strange how... ...the scenes surrounding... ...big events stay... ...in your memory... ...and sometimes with years they become more clear than the happening which impressed them. I know this because I remember a big four-posted bed and a lot of people around it crying. And then I remember someone lifting me up to kiss the woman who was on the bed. But I do not remember how she looked. And she was my mother. She died at that time and now I only recall the crying people and the big four-posted bed, and thinking it funny that a bed should wear petticoats. It had a valance on it, you see, and I evidently had not noticed it before. Just in that same way, I remember coming to live with Uncle Frank Randolph, who is my mother's brother, and all I remember about that is whiskers and the fact that it was raining. And now, somehow, when I think of home and saying goodbye to it, all I can see is swirling yellow leaves and the dust and peanut shells and bags that were flying in the wind around the station. But I must start this story properly. It really all began the day I rode a bicycle down the courthouse steps on a bet. At that time I saw nothing wrong in doing this, and to be frank, I was quite proud that I could do it, for there are 15 of those steps, and they're quite steep. After I did it, I went over to the drugstore with Willie Jepson, and had a soda, And then we rode down to the ball field and I pitched nine innings for the Red Sox, after which I thought I'd go home. I usually went home when I had a funny hollow feel under my belt. And Uncle Frank didn't mind not being on time for meals, so it didn't matter. But when I got in that night, I knew something had happened. In the first place, Uncle Frank wasn't reading any of his bug books. Uncle Frank is very famous for his bug knowledge. As you probably know, some people even calling him the second Faber, nor did he have on two pairs of glasses. In fact... He was acting entirely unnatural and quite as people of his age do when they are preparing to be disagreeable. Ho-hum, where have you been, he asked, as I sat down at the table. Down at the flats, I answered, pitched nine innings against Corky McGowan's gang, and we licked them, and then, feeling some pride, I reached for the spiced peaches and chocolate cake and began to satisfy my craving for food. Don't you, he began, hesitated, fumbled for words, and then went on and on, gentler pursuit of maidens. I said I didn't. Ho-hum, he said, and he wagged his head several times, which means he is perplexed. How old are you, he asked next. I told him I was 16. I'd do every two or three days. And then I asked him to pass the strawberry preserve because I found that I was still hungry. He did, and then he asked me whether I had eaten any meat. I had always depended upon his absent-mindedness and I was surprised to see him so obviously upset, and, truth be told, also a little annoyed. For I knew that my life would be one series of explanations, if he began to notice. I told him that I hadn't felt the need for anything but chocolate cake and preserves, but he wagged his head again, and then he drew forth a letter, and I knew by the shade and the address which was engraved on the envelope that it was from Aunt Penelope Randolph James, who lives in New York. Penelope said Uncle Frank, intimated as much, where is it? Ho hum, oh here we are, and then he read aloud this, With your erratic habits, my dear, she is probably growing up like a young Indian, and I dare say she eats whatever she pleases, and does whatever she likes. I said, why shouldn't I? And then, will you please pass the cake? For I realized that Uncle Frank was absorbed. He passed it to me, as he turned the page and went on with, Obviously, she must have two or three years in a good school, and one here after her coming out. I think she will be happy with Evelyn and Amy, and we will love having her. I want to know her, to have a few years of her, and a chance to do whatsoever I can because of Nally. And after that, Uncle Frank stooped and stared down at the letter. Nellie was the name of my mother, and everyone who knew her loved her a great deal, so much, in fact, that they can't speak of her easily. I always wish, and so much, that it was hard for me to speak of her, but as I said before, I can only remember the big four-posted bed and the crying people and I never did think that was quite fair for as I look on girls with mothers I realise I have missed a great deal. I do think that I at least might have been allowed to have a few years of mine but that attitude doesn't help me In this world, you have to make up your mind to lots that isn't happy. For if it is, all your complaints won't change it. But to get on, I was not impressed with my aunt's letter. I knew I wouldn't have a good time with my cousin Evelyn. Because I wear her old clothes sometimes. And by their architecture... I realize that our tastes are not common. They are very flossy. Usually she chooses the kind of color that soils when you shin up a tree, and they have lots of buttons on them that sort of catch when you take any mild exercise, such as sliding down a barn roof on your stomach. There are some ideal barns for that in this section. And once, when I went down the spouting from the Jepson's third floor, I got hung up by a button three feet from the ground and had to scream for someone to loosen me, and was consequently it, besides which I might have been killed if it had been higher, and the button had not held. This is all mixed, but English is not my strong point. I like the gym, work best of any study, and do best in it. Then, beside that, I have a photograph of Evelyn, and I realised from it that we wouldn't mean much to one another. Also, I have never got along well with girls. So I said, but I feel that my education is finished, My uncle didn't think so and he tried not to smile which I think is a very impolite habit of older people. I'd rather they would smile at you any time. I went on, I said and heatedly, I must admit I can say the multiplication table up to the twelves and what more can you ask? And just to prove it I did. Up to twelve times twelve is one hundred and fifty nine. But even then he didn't look convinced. There are other things, he said. I asked what, but he wasn't concrete. I love life as it is, I said, and none too steadily. I couldn't bear to think of leaving Queensburg and Virginia. But Uncle had got up and was puttering around near the bay window where a bookcase stands and so I knew he didn't hear me. I tried once more to attract his attention but he was looking at a lot of coloured plates of antennae and some sort of rare beetle and I had to give up. But after I had eaten another piece of cake and a little more preserve, I got up, I picked up the dishes and went to the kitchen with them. For I always clear the table for Mrs. Bradley, who is Uncle Frank's housekeeper. She was washing lettuce and splattering a good deal of water. Bradley dear, I said, do you know about this letter? "'Set,' she said, "'and waved toward a stool "'which stood before the back window. "'I settled on it and looked out in the garden, "'which is a shabby but dear place. "'The hollyhocks were beginning to sag, I remember, "'and sprawled every way, "'and the zinnias positively blazed colour "'in the first top shadows of the still dusk. "'It was pretty,' And it made you feel still, as if you wanted to close your eyes halfway and smile just a little. But it made you feel sad. I don't understand that feeling, but sometimes I have it. Mrs. Bradley never had it, for I asked her. But I think my mother would have understood it. Pretty things make it. And some kinds of music and I don't know whether anything else does or not but those are the only things that have made me have it I don't imagine uncle ever felt it one day I asked him uncle Frank I said do you ever feel sort of sad and awfully happy When it's just hazy, soft, dark outdoors, and the crickets squeak, and everything seems cosy and yet sort of lonesome, and you feel sort of contented and yet miserable, the way you do after you've eaten a big Thanksgiving dinner. Crickets, he said, looking over his glasses. Dinner, ho-hum and then he went and got some engravings that he brought in France, and some sort of cricket, who was eating her husband. They do it quite a lot of them, and although that does seem cruel, they are very bright and intelligent in more ways than just that. Their husbands weren't useful, and so they just ate them, which is more than some women do. This is mixed, but as I said, gym work is where I star. But of course I knew from that that he had never felt the poetic longing or whatever it is that I felt that night when Mrs. Bradley was washing lettuce and I asked her about the letter. High time, she said after I spoke, that you were sent off, I can't do a thing with you playing ball, a great girl like you. Oh, Bradley dear, I said. I hated displeasing her, but she did not soften. Well, I'll stop, I said. After a deep-drawn breath, I sighed because playing ball means a great deal in my life. Bradley dear sniffed and flopped the letters terribly. I didn't play at Parsons, I went on. She didn't reply. I wanted to frightfully, I said. It is quite an honour, Bradley Deere to pitch on a businessman's team. And they had to let Mr Horner do it. And he had a glass eye and let three men sneak into third. Because he couldn't see out of the glass one. I had wanted to play ball in Parsons. It is a town some 10 miles distance, where all the trains stop. They claim that it has 10,000 inhabitants, which, of course, makes it a city. The reason I didn't play was because the minister, Mr. Diggs, called and asked Uncle not to let me. I don't know why religious people are so often disagreeable. Bradley dear spoke again, and witheringly. Fine life for the daughter of Nellie Randolph, she said. To sit here and rot. The place is alright for your uncle Laws. He could mash his bugs and put them on paper anywhere. But for a girl, again, she sniffed. But I love it, I protested. This sort of a life is all I want. Your mother, she went on, spoke French, and was a lady. She could enter a room and talk highfalutin and entertain anybody. She could wave a fan, and you, she faced me and waved the lettuce, quite as if that were an ostrich-plumed fan, and she had a court lady. And you, she repeated, you can wave a baseball bat, but enter a room why you slide your feet under every rug that isn't glued down and you tangle up all the cheers and you say hello when you should say howdy and while it ain't no fittin' or proper that you should stay here and act like you was training to be the Ringling Stars performer I didn't reply there wasn't anything to say "'for all that Bradley dear had said was true. "'I am very awkward, but I like being so. "'Your mother,' she said slowly and solemnly, "'would have wanted you to be learned right and proper manners.' "'I stood up. "'All right, Bradley dear,' I said. "'If you really think she would, and Uncle Frank thinks I should,' And then I stopped speaking, and I had never felt so miserable. I went out into the garden, and Willie Jepson yelled over the kitchen roof where he was mending a fishing line. "'Come over and play catch,' he howled. "'Don't believe I can,' I said, sort of stiffly, I guess. "'Why not?' he yelled. "'I'm not going to tell the whole town.' I answered and after that he slid down by way of a grey barber and came over to stand near the fence. Why not? He repeated. My last game of ball is played, I said. It seems I am too old for it or something. They, they don't want me to, at least not in big games and I couldn't indulge as an amateur. My gosh, he said, that's fierce. I nodded, I almost never cry, in fact, I don't cry, any oftener than Willie Jepson does. But I was near it then, so I looked down at the hedge and broke twigs. Why, he went on, it's fierce. You have the making of a big leaguer, that is, if you'd been a man, I say, it's fierce. Your drop curves, he paused, and that pause meant a lot. Just because you're a girl, he asked, I admitted it, I had to. That's fierce, he said, again. His kindness helped me a great deal, and his condemnation was not a light thing, for Willie does the best spitballs in our county. They are really dreams of poetic beauty, and almost never fail him. I looked up and said, thank you, and again he said, my gosh Nat, that's fierce, and I did feel cheered up, then I heard uncle's voice calling me, and I went in. I found him mounting a black beetle, no more, he began, and then looked perplexed. He scratched his head and dislocated one pair of glasses, and I supplied Ball. Why, yes, he said, that was it. And then, you are going to your aunt's the last of this month. Mrs. Bradley thinks she can get your clothes ready by that time. We will miss you, my child. Let me see ho-hum, long feelers and hard, back page 927. I left him to his bugs. I went to the kitchen, but I only stood in the door for a moment, and then I backed away, for Mrs. Bradley was crying, awfully hard her face was buried in the roller towel, and I knew it was because I was going away. I felt that way too but I never cry so I went up to my room and got out my fishing tackle and tried to make a fly for a shallow shady stream out of some grey and green silk and a grasshopper wing but it didn't divert me much and I didn't think I could exist very long in real civilization. I knew I didn't want to All the loveliness that I felt earlier in the evening was gone, and all that was left was an ache, a dull, sodden grey, growing larger all the time, ache. You see, I cared awfully for outdoors and the sports that kept me there. They were all I really knew of life, and my New York relatives lived in an apartment. I will be bored, I thought and miserably, horribly unhappy. But whatever else I was, I was not bored. Oh, my soul, no, not for one instant. Sometimes it was almost ghastly, that mystery which gripped and held us all, and even now I tremble to think of phases of it. But it gave more in the end than it took which is the curious way of much pain and discomfort. When I think that, but I mustn't begin now. For that part comes much later. And that concludes tonight's readings. I hope you're feeling a little drowsy, and if you're not, please feel free to listen to another episode. I look forward to bringing you the next episode, and in the meantime... Good night.